0: We do want to welcome you to the podcast. It is Live Transformed, episode number 227. Audrey, you got your microphone?
1: Yep, I'm ready to go. Jim,
0: it's good to see you. How are things in Huntsville, Alabama?
2: Things in Huntsville, Alabama are wet today. It is raining, and I like that, though. That means I didn't have to... You know, I get up early anyhow, but I, mean, uh-huh. I didn't have to water my garden last night, and I didn't have to go and water early this morning, so I got to do it. Get up and do research. I love doing. You know, I tell you, here's an interesting thing. Okay. okay. You know, with, with this COVID. thing. We were where,
1: hoping today that you would be interesting.
2: I'm going to try to be. I'm going to do my best. <laughs> uh, you know, so you, you know, I talk a lot about COVID memory, and I've had some people kind of almost rebuke me and say, you know, you know, you need to stop saying that you have COVID memory because, you know, you don't, you're and you know, they'll quote some scriptures. I'm sure. like, you know what? I'm not offended by that. Mm-hmm. But it's sort of like, oh, that tells me that you have got scripture reversed because the Bible doesn't say that faith calls those things that are as though they be not. Actually, faith looks at things, recognizes things, yes. owns how things mm-hmm. are. Exactly. But, but then calls those things that are not as though, the, as though they are. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's like, you know, I'm struggling with, with these memory problems. Yes. Well, an interesting thing with COVID is is it with a lot of people it affects their memory in dramatic ways. So, so I'm I'm do, you know I'm on this I'm on this big binge research thing with a with a friend of mine and, and we're actually just we're developing extremely advanced <laughs> uh, therapeutic ways to use magnets. Because mm-hmm. one of the things that we're trying to do, we're trying to get where, where every person can take control of their own health care wow. uh, you know to a certain extent okay wow. because, because you know if, if you if you're not you know Stalin, you, you know the wonderful man Stalin Yes, I remember mm-hmm. he, he only I mean he only murdered about 80 million people Right. but you know Stalin was uh, one of his uh, quotes was "If you can get control of the healthcare care system, you have total control of the population." Yeah. Because people are so desperate. So, anyhow, so, so you know, I'm, I'm doing all this research and all this kind of stuff. So, <clears throat> there is a, a book that I have probably read four times. And I'm not saying I had the material mastered, but I used to use it in practice. And I, you know, I've done a lot of research with it. And so, what happens is I get ready to start doing all this research. And I kind of know and I can remember in general what I studied and read that book. The honest truth is I can't remember the details. So I'm having to go back and relearn things, relearn information mm-hmm. as if, I had never learned it before. Wow,
1: it's In a good a thing you love. It's, it's, it's a good thing you love learning because I know that's a love for you. Like I, I bet oh, yeah. that when you go back, you just love mm-hmm. learning. Mm-hmm. Like,
2: yeah, that's kind of the way I look at it. Like, you know what? Yeah. I'm going be- to believe God that this time I'm going to see things I didn't see before. And, exactly. You know, who
1: knows what kind of layers that are going to happen to you because yeah. you, you're re- you're relearning it. So if anybody so
2: you- out there is dealing with that, I, I just want to encourage you. Yeah. You know, it, it's sort of when we have these kinds of challenges. I, probably almost everybody out there at some time or another has faced sleep problems. And one of the things, you know, everybody in my family has had sleep problems. My mother, my brother, my sister, you know, you know, I used to, I used to run on a couple of hours sleep a night and I would do that for, you know, a week, 10 days, and then I'd crash and sleep for about 24 hours. But that's what my body would do. I mean, it wasn't because I was abusing anything. It was, there was just something messed up in me physiologically. Hmm. Hmm. And, uh, Uh, So one of the things I discovered in working through sleep problems is that if you want to exacerbate sleep problems, when you wake up in the middle of the night, get frustrated or angry about it. (laughs) And what I have found is that many people, we could solve their sleep problems, you know, within a reasonable length of time, but they got to solve that attitude. Yeah, they got to solve that reaction of waking up and getting angry and yeah. and, mm-hmm. Whang, mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, yeah, right. and and then I'm they so get so mad they awake right now. They <laughs> get themselves so jacked up that they can't go back to right. sleep. Right. Well, that's kind of the way it is when you face any of these kinds of situations. That's what I'm, ha- you know, like in this situation, I'm looking at books right now, going, I sort of know what this is about, but I can't remember the details. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so, if I get frustrated. Then that exacerbates the problem.
1: Yes, yes.
2: But if I just go back to peace, and you know, last yeah. week we we're talking about a lot, a lot about patience. Just go yeah. back to pa- yeah. peace and patience. Yes, and just say, okay, uh, you know, how many times? And you guys have done this. And you know, Rick Trussell, you know, who he and I worked together for since 1975. And one of the things we always learned was if we ever shot a video, man, we'd get under a time crunch, and you know, something would go wrong. And you, man, we'd go out there and spend an you know, I were shooting a video and at the end of it, the computer messes up, something goes <laughs> wrong. Yeah. And the thing that we found was if we would both just stay in peace, yeah. The next version of it that we would video sure. would be better than, way better than the first one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying God orchestrated. And I say a lot of people go goofy with that and say, see, God did that so we would get a better version. No, no, it, it, it just happened. But anyhow, all that say, stay in peace, stay in patience, like we were talking peace. about last week.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. I really love that, just that reminder. And and it really sets us up for what we want to talk about today. Yeah. So I, I'm really glad that you mentioned all that.
0: Well, I, I woke up at 430 today. And- yeah. I stayed at peace. I didn't get angry. I looked at the clock and it's like, oh, good. I got another 45 minutes to sleep. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And did you go back
0: to sleep? I sure did. (laughs) I love it. Love it. Yeah, There's mornings. I got time.
2: It's a gift to me. Like if I wake up about 530, you know, if I feel good, and then the way I look at it is all right. Before everybody else in the world gets up and starts emailing me and calling me and and I got (laughs) all these problems I got to solve, I I can go shoot some good videos. Wow! And, and if I get you know, if I get sleepy about ten thirty, I used to. I don't know if you guys ever struggle with this. I'm not sure why we're going down this path, but we're right. going right. down. We're we'll, we'll see what happens. But yeah. you know, um, though, everybody in my family had a really good work ethic. Now, my, my brother was a criminal, but he worked hard at it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, really, everybody in my family it was his had,
1: business. Yeah, we
2: we always had a good work ethic because you know when you grow up poor you know, you can either you can either become a victim you can start mooching off of people or you can start stealing or what, or you can just be angry all the time or you can say, you know what I'm a, I'm a, I'm going to go earn money and that's that's what we did particularly me and my sister we my sister and I both we went out early and got jobs and uh, you know started buying our our school clothes and all that kind of stuff but you know when you overuse your strength having a good work ethic means you feel you struggle with feeling guilt Mm. if you're not working
1: mm-hmm.
2: and so for years and one of the things i think that drove me into chronic fatigue it, it, i mean even though it was it was ultimately the, the the breaking point became some antibiotics that i was given two different kinds of antibiotics that i shouldn't mm. have had together mm. but they that's what they gave me and so i ended up in chronic fatigue five months in bed you guys know the story mm. years of years of struggling with with you know fatigue issues um but uh, one of the things I think that eventually wore me out so bad was I would feel guilty if I slept late or if I wasn't working. Hmm. And, uh, you know, it took some hard work to get me past that.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. Because it really, you know, the reason why is because I was actually just um, thinking of two words that I've never used together, but being divinely frivolous is like it might you might go what that's no. an oxymoron, mm. but I, you look at the world and just did take you a, say I was a
2: moron? <laughs> what?
0: <laughs> what? What are you saying? Are a you attacking moron. me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: but to be divinely frivolous, like if you go way up and take a big picture and watch everyone just running around doing all this stuff and looking worried and trying too hard and trying to get everything done and and worried about time, worried about money, worried about all these things. And you think, wait a minute, is this what I was on earth to do? Is just to work really hard to make enough money to pay the bills until I get old enough and then my body will wear out and then I'll cross over. Croak, (laughs) right, exactly. And you you have to think, then have we missed the whole thing? Have we missed the entire... That's why where I came up with that divinely frivolous, there's something about... If we can ha- get, deal with our guilt, like you said, you did yep. the heart work for guilt, where we can enjoy, enjoy, enjoy moments and, and that connecting with the moment yep. and connecting with God, it's important.
2: You know, uh, by way of just wanting to encourage people, I don't want people to get the idea that every time I recognize a problem, I, you know, I, I kind of try to do hard work as a way to attack it and solve it and fix it and all that kind of stuff. But, but what I have found, and, and this was the terminology I used for a lot of years because people could hear it. They could, they could get it. You know, I, I'm not saying this is the right terminology, you know, a lot of times we just use the terminology that we know will connect with people.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: But, you know, for, for decades, I used to always say that, that God's, God speaks the language of peace,
0: mm. which would
2: say if you're not in peace, no matter mm. what God says, you're going you're gonna to twist it to the Christ, current crises that you created.
0: Mm.
2: You know, the mind that creates the problem cannot fix the problem. And so you, you can't get into your intellectual mind thinking the way you've always been thinking and being under all this stress and all this kind of stuff and actually hear what God is trying that to say That is to
1: you. so good, Jim. So
2: I know that that's not a correct terminology is that is that uh, God's language is peace because in reality, the environment that you can hear and move with God in is peace. Right. And, that, and in peace, you start being able to, to, to hear this, you know, yes. hear this language of yes. God. Yes, yes, yes. And so uh, I don't really ever try to fix myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's one of, the way, one of the ways I stay at peace. You know, I have a good buddy here, man. Me and him have done, a, we have done medical research together for decades. We're, we're probably 25 years into doing nice. research together. And uh, this guy is, is phenomenal. I have learned so much from him. Uh, but, um, you know, he, he, <laughs> he, said one, he said one day back when he was a young, you know, a young man and a young believer, He you know, that, and his wife nags him a lot. Uh-huh. And uh, so, you know, she is always trying to fix him. But like ever, anytime anybody's trying to fix you, they are not trying to fix you for God. They're trying to fix you for themselves.
1: Of course. Mm-hmm. They're not even trying to fix you for you.
2: As a matter of fact, you know, that was a way for me to slip this in there. All yeah. of you who are trying to fix somebody, you're not yeah. doing it for God, you're yeah. not doing it for the other person. You are doing it for you. Uh,
1: if you turn on the podcast just for that, I mean, seriously, because <laughs> oh, yeah. we winning. all I, I don't know about everyone else. I'm just going to admit for me that I do I I can fall into that when I okay, when I okay. can just um, for someone around me just needs to improve a little or, or get some yeah. help, you know, for my benefit. <laughs> for my and then for me. <laughs>
2: <Yeah>. <laughs> let, let, like,
1: let's be super honest here. Yeah. If you were more this, I would be way happier and I would enjoy life better.
2: <laughs> you know, uh, in our ultimate impact, which is my you know my personal coaching program yeah uh you know we do a thing a live event every Saturday morning where mm-hmm. you know where I'm sharing some things and people share and i you know i try I try to answer questions that are that are relevant, but then mm-hmm. then we do a thing called life lessons every week. Mm-hmm. The life lessons are where we take certain principles that were shared on Saturday and kind of like, okay, here are some suggestions about how you could start applying this in real life, but even more importantly. We want you to hear what God is saying and, and apply this and work this out the way you think God is, is showing right. you. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we're not trying to take over their life. but you know one of the things I, I was pointing out um, this past life lesson, which was you know would have been Monday I guess that I released it. Uh, but one of the questions one of the questions or our concepts that I put out there is this: are you putting as much effort? into developing your life and character as you are into developing other people's life and character.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean,
2: what what would happen if the effort that you're putting into making your kids better, if you put it into making you better?
1: Right. And in what? your thought life, yeah. like if it, what, what you're thinking about, are you yeah. thinking about you or are you thinking about others? Mm-hmm.
2: So, you know, and so now, now that, uh, uh, that thing about divine,
0: being uh, divine frivolous. And frivolous. Yes.
2: You've done the same thing there that I did with God speaking the language piece peace, in that you took a word, you know, like I wouldn't necessarily use that word for no. if I was defining strict no. theological boundaries. No. I know you would either. <laughs> but it is a word that connects, it is a concept. Yeah. It, right. And, and so, you know, I understood after I pastored for, you know, for probably about eight or 10 years, I understood that people backslide because they need a fun break. Because they don't know yeah. how to, they don't know how to be a believer and have fun and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, one of the things that has happened to me a lot: if I get around people that are way too serious, yeah, they usually don't like me much <laughs> because they think I am too frivolous. Right. But but the truth is, I just don't take myself all that serious. Take God serious. Yeah. Take life pretty serious. Yeah. But the, but the truth is, I know that if I'm not enjoying this journey, at some point, I'll quit. <laughs>
1: Right. And I think of those words serious, like I don't want to be too, I can be a hundred percent sincere without being overly serious. Like I can be sincere and absolutely sincere, but when it moves over to serious, it just kind of throws in that feeling that isn't peaceful. It throws in that feeling. I've got to fix someone I've got to make this better. And even heart work, like you were saying about, I did some heart work. It's yep. not about fixing yourself. I've realized more and more when I'm doing heart work, I'm just finding a place where I needed to be loved by God. And yep. I just go, wow. Like I check my emotions because, wow, that's where God wanted to love me. And yep. he found that spot where I needed, or when, when I wake amazing. up in the middle of the night and I get angry and frustrated, that's an area where God wants to love me there. It's always an invitation to be loved
2: always it's always an invitation
1: to be loved
2: because of how we're created you know we are created to live an abundant life yeah we don't we don't even have the capacity to endure unhappiness and that's really one one of the ways that people uh, twist and distort the gospel is because we don't understand how god created us therefore when we start becoming discontent we have to create some circumstance theology we have to mm. create something that justifies that discontentment because we don't know how to just flow with god and realize this discontentment is really just an indication that that you know life around me has changed so how however i've been handling it really ain't working anymore yeah and so discontentment usually is the forerunner to transformation to take it to take it the next step Hmm. and so you know so if i'm discontent just just like this thing i figured out about myself and and overworking Mm
1: -hmm, and mm -hmm.
2: um abusing a good work ethic taking it Mm -hmm, too far mm -hmm. you know um as a child and some of you have heard me tell this story before as a child you know my, my father would show up about once a month he he'd beat my mother all night long i mean it, it was it was brutal and and you know i would hear her beg for her life and you know and mm-hmm. you know she'd get up the next morning with bruises all over her face and everything and mm-hmm. and, and have to go to work and you know he'd lay his sorrow self in bed you know while she went to work and then so she would have to cover up all these marks all these bruises you know with makeup and and you know we didn't have a car so she would have to walk into town to go to work and she worked for nineteen dollars a week, wow. and and raised all of us. You know, you know, raise kids, put white food on the table if she could. Yeah. And the thing we, the thing we had to always watch is every time my dad would show up, he'd steal all the groceries that we had, and if he could find any money in the house, he'd steal that. And then he, then he would leave and take up to his whores that, you know, that he pimped out and lived with, and and we would be sitting there destitute. You know, we not we a lot of times we wouldn't even have heating in the winter. Because he would steal, he'd steal, I mean, he'd steal anything. He'd steal the coal, he'd steal the heat and oil, he'd steal mm. the kerosene. anything of value that he could use, he'd steal it and take it with him when he left. And so, man, I, I can't even, you know, I don't even remember. I, I probably blocked so much of it yeah, out. right. But, uh, so, one morning, I, man, I was going through some real struggles. And I was, I, I was realizing that I had some kind of an issue about, you know, about work and overworking mm-hmm. and why, like, like, if, if I sit up all night working and I decided I'm going to take a nap and the phone rang while I was asleep, my first feeling would be guilt or mm-hmm. shame. I would feel ashamed
1: mm-hmm.
2: that I wasn't up working mm-hmm. and man, it was, it was a torment and I would just, I'd just jump straight up out of bed and go back to work, you know, whether I was tired, exhausted or whatever. And so on this particular day, you know, I finally had somehow or another had enough clarity to see yes. what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. see, you, you can't intellectually figure this out. Mm-hmm. No. Like I say, because this is the mind, my intellectual mind is what got me here. Yes. You know, I made these judgments yeah. and all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I didn't really try to fix myself. I wasn't trying to fix anything. The honest truth was I was exhausted. And one of the things I realized, if I will get into a, if I will get into a, 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 my heart zone, you know, deep relaxation for about 10 or 15 minutes, it, I, I can work two or three more hours. I mean, it, it refreshes me. It, it, you know, I bounce back. I get energy. Mm-hmm. So really all I was doing was getting in my heart zone. I mm-hmm. wasn't trying to solve any problem, but an interesting thing that happens is when you actually get in your heart zone and out of your intellectual mm-hmm. ego driven control, mm-hmm. if you ever ask yourself a question, when you're in your heart zone, your heart will give you the answer. Wow. Even though you have no intention of, I mean, you're not really trying to get an answer. Mm-hmm. And I've had this happen to me so many times where oh, I would just wow. ask the question and it's like, bam, there would be an explosion. And I'd get the answer. And I would usually revisit it when it happened, see it and all that kind of stuff. Wow. So, so, you know, I was just relaxing, meditating, communing with God and, and I started thinking about, you know, you know how, how I had this problem with overworking. And I thought, and I just said, I just kind of said to myself, I didn't ask God. I was not pray. But I just said, I, I wonder, I wonder how I got this way.
1: Hmm.
2: That was it. Yeah. Suddenly, I saw this video in my mind. Yeah. And I was about four years old, maybe five years old. And my mom was getting ready for work. And, you know, and my dad had already gone. He, you know, he would kept her up all night beating on her. And uh, you know, just tormenting her and tormenting us, and and so in this, I'm watching this video, you know, which is yeah. what was actually a, a memory that had been deeply buried. You, you never forget anything; it's there. Mm-hmm. The question is, how are you relating to it? How are you managing it? Mm-hmm. And so, uh, <clears throat> so in this, as I watched this unfold, I was a little, I was crying because you know. My mom being abused and, you know, yeah. and, I, and I knew she'd been up all night long and I knew what he had put her through and she was going to go to work. And man, wow. I was, I was broken hearted over it.
1: Wow. So
2: I said, what, please stay home. You know, please just go to bed, go to bed. You know, and I just wanted her to go to bed and rest, you know, have, have mm-hmm. a few hours rest. And so she, she looked at me and she said, son. As long as I am able, I have to work. Now remember, information plus emotion is is how things get written on your heart. But the problem is, it's not really... See, the information isn't always what someone says. It's how you interpret it.
1: Yes, and all the emotion Mm -hmm. around it and how it's experienced. Yes.
2: And so I developed that belief at... Like I say, four or five years four, old.
1: As long as I As can, long
2: as I'm able. As long I as have I have to work.
1: work. I have to work. Wow.
2: And so, you know, I couldn't even almost every time I took a vacation, I'd end up sick. Or I'd end up being in an accident of some kind. And uh, wow. and, it, and it was all coming out of a belief, just like everything mm-hmm. in our life mm-hmm. comes out of a belief. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're 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 making a journey mm-hmm. and Unfortunately, religion has told us that the obstacles in this journey are the is the devil. Mm-hmm. and religion has told us, contrary to what the scripture speaks, that that we, you know, that we need to go out there and fight the devil, and we need we need to keep him you know, from uh, uh, uh you know stealing our joy wh- whatever. And, and we need to fight him so that we can get past the barrier mm. that we're currently facing. But really, what the Bible teaches, I'm not saying there's not a devil, because there is. I'm not saying he's not a factor, but he is not the factor that we make him out to be. The, the real truth is, and this, this kind of maybe will merge us into the lane we want to go today the real, the real truth is every obstacle and the only obstacle that can affect a believer on their journey and we're going we'll talk about what this journey is and and uh, you know we'll answer the big question you know why am i really here why am i really mm, doing yeah. <laughs> right uh, and a question that very few people have tried to answer because they don't know where to look for that answer but usually when they do answer they answer it with their, with their twisted mind and thought that, that, that keeps them in trouble all the time. Because remember, your mind only seeks to protect your ego. And your mind does that by always convincing you that you're right. Your opinions are right. right. So it always tries to drag you back to your opinions. And so you say, well, wait a minute, I'm a believer. Yeah, so then you take your opinions and you try to find scriptures that support your opinions. Mm-hmm. Circumstance mm-hmm. theology. Mm-hmm. If anybody's mm-hmm. interested in, and I mentioned this, you know, taking the limits off God was the first published book that I did. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, I love that book. And I'm telling you, it is the simplest short read for yes. you. Yes. But also for introducing people to the beginning of this journey, to the basis for making this journey that we're supposed to be making in Jesus. So, so the only obstacle for the believer is the flesh. There's none other obstacle. It's not a demon. It's not the devil.
1: Mm-hmm. You know,
2: it's not it's not something if you have to go defeat the devil in order to succeed at life, then Jesus failed in his mission. And you're you're really, for all practical purposes, the minute you go to fight the devil, you are declaring Jesus a failure. Hmm. You're really denying the power of the resurrected life.
1: Wow.
2: People are like, no, I'm not. It's like, well, you're not saying that, but I mean, because, because through the resurrection, he conquered death, hell, the grave, stripped the devil of all principality, power, mm-hmm. and might, mm-hmm. led him captive, led him, you know, he, he led him on a triumphal pre- uh, procession, demonstrating to all the spiritual powers and recording it so that we could see it, demonstrating that, that Lucifer has been totally defeated and we never have to fear him again. So we can quit messing with all that nonsense, and we can go over here and say, "Okay, now, only thing I got to deal with is the one thing that I have authority over: me, yeah. my flesh, my right. choices,
1: my choices." <clears throat> because we look for externals, we seek externals to look for hope in some kind of externals. We all—I think—that is the, the, the tendency of every human being to just really really move towards the outside the physical world that's the only thing we that seems obvious to us so we even try and find hope in the in the externals just anything in the externals and and then we're just missing and then because that's the flesh right that's part of it it's the physical world it's the it's the obvious
2: yeah let me let me mention this and people can go through your portal on your website to get this um I have just recently made a video. Now, this is just for pastors and people in full-time ministry. Now, Mm -hmm. I know, even though I'm going to say that, a lot of people that consider themselves ministers that are not ministers are going to want it, and I'm not going to send it to you if you're not a pastor or in in ministry, you know, Mm -hmm. real ministry. Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll be sharing some stuff with everybody later. But um, I want you to realize something. And this is one of the things I will be sharing with you. Uh, Many times we have preached to our congregation and we are talking about, you know, faith in the heart. We're talking about, you know, experiencing grace in your heart. We're, We're talking about these things that are transforming you internally. But too often... The listener, the hearer is listening to that. And really, they're not interested in that. They're just like the Jews were the first time Jesus came to them. And they're saying, no, what we really want is someone who is going to be the conqueror to the outside world. Mm -hmm. We're not really interested in in conquering ourselves. Right, this whole journey in the inside, right. And so I just want you to understand something. I can say this with absolute certainty. There will be in the not too distant future, a great falling away in people that have been following this message of grace and peace and faith, righteousness, and how good God is. And they're going to do it because even though you were trying to teach them to do something internally between them and God, Mm -hmm. they heard and they desired to do something where God would change the outer world.
1: Right, right.
2: And um, you can help those people. And I'm going to release a series of free videos. I'm going to start with videos for pastors and ministers only. And then I'm going to expand that. And I'm going to give you tools to help you prepare your people. Because I'm telling you what, the people who are looking for this message to solve external problems. Mm-hmm. Now, external problems can get solved. Yeah. They often do get solved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that can't be the goal.
1: That cannot. It just twists it if it does. Yeah, it
2: twists into something selfish yeah. and self centered yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that, that's Sabotages just all about making life easier point. for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and so, so th- you know, I'm going to give you some tools to help people m- make a course correction. And, and, you know, when, when God shows me these things and, and gives me these warnings uh, to share with other people, that means we got time to do it. That's
1: right. But and we then, can't mess around. And then you're also saying there's, a, there's um, you have a, a, something going on right now where if people purchase the audio messages of Heaven on Earth, yep. they'll get the Heaven on Earth digital copy of the book as well, the ebook. Yep. Okay, so we'll put all that on livetransformed.com yep. for anyone who wants to do that.
2: And by the way, th- you know, l- let me just say this. And this I don't know how this going to come across, but you know, I don't make offers like this just just to expand my contact list. I don't right. I don't even make offers like this necessarily to make money. Right. You know, uh, one of the things that God has been so faithful to me is that I generally he generally prepares me for what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And so every time in every time in the last 49 and a half years, there's been a transition. I'm usually about a year ahead of it
1: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and
2: that not because I'm smart, cause I'm not that smart, but you and I, you know, ministers that are listening, we have that same capacity to come to that place where if, if we will let go, if we're willing to let go of whatever's working right now, then we can find out what's going to work tomorrow. Wow. And, and, if we're not willing to let go of what's working now in our ministry or our church, then the real truth is our faith in ministry or for ministry is not really in Jesus; it's in uh, it's in the way we do it. It's in our system.
1: Right, right, right. Be willing. And you can to slip into
2: that. You slip into that. Never intend to. Never plan to. So anyhow, and, but you know, I go to through. Just, I'm...
1: Okay, go, go through our website, Live Transform. I'm just yep. going to repeat what you said because it was worth repeating. But if Unless we're willing to let go of what's working now, then we might miss what's ahead. Yep. And you were talking about yesterday, just yesterday, when we, and you guys, the listeners, I know that you are this because you're on this journey with us. You're in the same place as us here. But when we cannot... Emphasize enough getting into our heart zone. How if yep. you want to call it that, meditating, just getting into that that just communing with God, hanging out with Him <clears throat> yep. in the in your secret place, in the garden of your heart. However, you want. There's all we could use a million terms, but when we get to that place, just yesterday, I had, you know, you could call it I don't, I literally have taken the word busy out of my vocabulary because I don't like that, because that just um demotes anything hurry, anything busy that does not say peace to me. I had a full schedule day. I'll say that, but I did have half an hour, uh, where something canceled and I sat and got into my heart zone and I got up and I literally said this to myself, I just feel like I had a thousand naps and I didn't even sleep. I went, I I feel like I had a thousand naps and even the ideas that were coming to me and that I were just amazing. I wasn't even asking for ideas. Yep. But anyway, I just wanted to encourage you and just underscore, you know, what you were saying, Jim, that the value of, I guess that's where that frivolous to be. That's yep. where I got that divinely frivolous yeah. thing is that I might have been putting in a full day's quote unquote work. But in that, unless I understand in life that there's moments to be so in the present where there's just this eternal time moment and, and be with Jesus, yep. that's when the secrets of life are oh, yeah. enjoying life and 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 knowing and valuing the playfulness of life where it isn't always work. Yep. That's when we hear the secrets.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, one of the things that I point out real often is this. You know, there's I have spent my all, all my life with God. Pretty much first and foremost, seeking to know and understand God. Now, a lot of people say, well, God's beyond understanding. No, He's not. He has made Himself. Un- now, there's a lot of things I, I won't understand uh, until until I see Him face to face. But God has made so many things understandable to us. You know, I was thinking today, Man, this, this scripture just kept coming to me. It just wouldn't, I mean, I'm telling you, I couldn't make myself <laughs> quit thinking it. It was, it was one of those scriptures in Proverbs where it says it's to the glory, what is it? It's to the glory of God to conceal a thing, but it's to the glory of kings to search it out. Now, God never hides things from us in the sense of, of when it says conceal, he's not hiding things mm-hmm. from us. To make them hard or that sort of thing. But remember in the New Testament, you know, Paul talks about how that, you know, through the simplicity of the cross, God over the foolishness of the cross, God overcame the wisdom of the entire world. Now, the reason things are concealed to us is because we have gotten our own definitions of, 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 of good and evil. We've gotten our own definitions of wisdom and foolishness. We've got mm-hmm. our own definitions of fun and, and, and you know, we, we, and definitions are so important. You know, uh, what Orwell has a book, and I, can, I don't remember the exact title. People can look it up. But, you know, he was the one that wrote the book, 1984.
1: Yeah, George Orwell. Mm-hmm.
2: George Orwell. He has a really interesting book, about uh, language and definition did we talk about this a month or so ago no okay it must have been somewhere else you know but okay. anyhow you know one of the one of the things that cults do and it doesn't matter if it's a religious cult a political cult no matter what kind of cult it is is they change and take control of definitions mm, mm-hmm. see And Orwell points out in his book, and I'm I'm paraphrasing all this, but basically whoever, once you control a person's definition, you control the way they think.
1: Mm.
2: You know, um, for example, and you guys know this, man. I I am not a legalist about it, but I am a stickler about get the right definition before you decide what you believe about a scripture. Get the right definition of every Mm. word in that scripture. And that's what I do. You know, when I start getting a scripture on my heart, I will look up every single word. Sometimes I will spend weeks or months or even years meditating on it before I ever even talk about it publicly. You know, I don't want to be one of these guys that just, uh, you know, uh, one of my buddies that just went off the rails. He, He used to call me all the time. He'd say, you know, I've been praying about something. I've been thinking about something. He said, tell me what this means, you know, in the original language. And we'd get on the phone, you know, we would do research together. And so then, as he started getting more and more and more into sin, which he needed to justify, hmm. um, it got to where he would call me and instead of saying, "Let's talk about this before I preach it," he would call me and say, "The other night when I was preaching, I said this. What does you know, you know did I get it right?" And sometimes I'd have to say, "No, you really didn't get it right. You know mm-hmm. You, you, you package this because you evidently have some desire to make it safe." What, yeah. You know, the thing that you said. Yeah, right. So then when we, when we went to the third level of, of this, he just finally got to where he said, look, I don't really care what it says in, in the original language. I just know what God's showing me. And, I, Ooh, and so, so just leave me alone with that stuff.
1: Wow, yeah.
2: And by that time, you yeah. know
1: you a know. person is That's totally slippery off slope. the rails. Yeah, slippery slope, for sure. So, but, but
2: what happens, for example... You know, and I was so lucky. You know, I tell people that all the time. I'm so blessed of all of the things that I ignorantly stumbled into mm-hmm. that turned out to be such life transformers. You know, it's like I can't take mm-hmm. credit for it. I can't say I was smart enough to figure this out. I can't, you know, just be stupid, me, you know, uh, being simple and. Open and vulnerable, stumbling into something.
1: Wow. Well,
2: you know, my first pastor, and you guys heard me tell this story. I, first time I ever went to talk to a pastor after I got saved. You know, I go in there and he was an old guy. When I say an old guy. He was like, just about how old I am now. <laughs> so I go back to his office and he was an interim pastor for this little church that I wanted to attend. So I go back and we, we sit down and we start talking. So he said, let me see your Bible, son. And I was kind of embarrassed because the only Bible I had was a Gideon's Bible that I'd stolen out of a hotel. And so, you know, you, you everybody if you show it to anybody, they know you stole it, you know what I mean? <laughs> and so so I, I you know, I, I handed I, I handed him my reluctantly handed him my Bible and and so um back in those days, you know, we didn't have the literary research tools that are available to us so readily. Right. It, it amazes me what's available to people, believers, and how little they are willing to access it. Mm. You know, that they mm. want somebody to lead them. They want somebody to be their personal Messiah. They don't want to read and pray, you know, for, for themselves. So <clears throat> he said, listen, he said, you need to get you a good Bible. And so back in those days, a good Bible would be a, uh, a, a new Schofield. Uh, y'all ever heard, heard of the Schofield Bible? Oh,
0: sure. Absolutely, yeah.
2: Well, the Schofield Bible, and he said, now, when you get this Bible, and he showed me, he said, now, you see these little, and he showed me how that, you know, when they got a little letter here, you go over here or you go to the bottom of the page and you look up that that letter like there's an A beside this word. Go down and see what it says. And he says, always read every introduction to every book that you read so that you understand this is who this was written to. This is this is what they were trying to solve. And then he said, but most of all, don't ever take a Bible word and look it up in a Webster's dictionary. Hmm. He's the Bible wasn't written in English, so ah. then he reaches back and he pulls out, which is not a very good you know language tool, but it was good back then. You know about right. that's about all you got. It was a Young's Analytical Concordance, mm-hmm. and he showed me how to look up words in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic in this in this concordance. And he says, you always go, you always go to the original language.
1: Hmm. And
2: uh, so I said, okay. And so that's, wow. you know, and that's I, I where don't it started. And that's, that's, where, that's where the it, journey
1: began. Yeah. And that's where it keeps continuing to go. So, um,
2: and what's interesting is the advice that he gave me, putting, putting me in conflict with that particular denominational group, hmm. theologically. <laughs> uh, I mean, it did because I, I just said, okay, I, I'll do it. You know, and uh, and so when I started doing it and it started raising conflict, I never attacked anybody. I didn't even think I, you know, I did. I didn't think I had the answers, and they didn't. I would just go say, for example, you know, like the word "saved." That was the first time I ever looked up the word "saved" in the Greek language. Sozo, saved, healed, blessed, prospered, protected, made whole, set apart. So basically, you start realizing that the word "saved" really has been limited by religion to just getting your ticket punch to go to heaven. It didn't have anything to do with all, you know, with all the things that we have in Jesus, which is actually what the original word means. So stop and think about it. 18, 1,900 years ago, you know, uh, Christianity, which I don't even like using that word, but Christianity had been hijacked by religion, and uh, in the advent of Catholicism, uh, believe, it, it was really, you could get executed for reading and interpreting the Bible for yourself. Only the priest So they kept it in Latin. So, you know, all these poor peasants are sitting there going to church because they're told they'll go to hell if they don't, and, uh, and turning their crops and their wealth over to the church because they're told they'll go to hell if they don't. And um, and so they're sitting there in a boring s- service that's in another language. They have no idea. All they know is if I don't do this, God's going to kill me. That, that was mm-hmm. their that was their understanding because mm-hmm. you know that's that's what they had been told. So <clears throat> so if you read the Bible for yourself and you looked at how Jesus ministered to people, so those those priests they were going, I can't do that. So. I got to create some circumstance theology here. Right. So so we've got to kind of elevate Jesus to something other than a man filled with the Holy Spirit. Because if we really let it out that he's a man with the Holy Spirit, people will want to know why we're not doing that. Right. Cuz obviously that you know if we if we're filled with the Holy Spirit, that that should be happy. So you know, theology started changing to protect the power uh, of the priests and, yes, and the power of exactly. the religious leaders, exactly. And so, and so, once we did get the Bible translated into other languages, then the problem is definitions of many words had already been determined. Right. You know, in our in our school of ministry, when I go through teaching verse by verse, one of the things I always point out is now this word, and I can show you why and how to recognize this. You know, there are some words that you realize that the differences in translation, you realize those differences in translation are because the language English language has changed. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of words. It is clear they were deliberate mistranslations. Now but you have to remember these translators, if they disagreed with the church and translated it in any way that would conflict with the church's doctrine, sometimes they get burned alive. I mean, so you're kind of like, no, I think it's. know pretty big consequences.
1: It. I think I'll do it your way. Yeah. So I can save my life. <clears throat> so, so then we get,
2: we get, you know, 7, 16, 17, 1800 years of the word "saved" means your sins have been forgiven. hmm So now, once we have defined a word, then first of all, in our brain. And, you know, the brain is the physical processor for the mind. And so, you know, the the mind is what thinks the thoughts, the brain processes them into physiological feelings and all that kind of stuff. So so now, every time, you know, you read the word saved, all you're thinking about, okay, my sins have been forgiven. Right. And you start putting healing or miracles or happiness or joy. You put that into some kind of category that is so far out of your reach right that you don't even think is available to you unless, right you know unless you have a vision of the mother mary or something like that you know what yeah. i mean mm-hmm. and so so that means now remember every boundary in my life in other words the expense how good my life can get how happy i can become Uh, You know, the degree of God's supernatural power I experienced is all based on one thing. What do I believe?
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Well, what I believe is based on how I define words to some degree.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm. So so we have limited God, and it all started with definitions. By accepting definitions therefore limiting how we see God, limiting our beliefs, therefore limiting the quality of our life. Mm-hmm. And that's where that's where most people are trapped. In. And then once you get a definition and it becomes a belief, even if that belief is killing you, you're not going to give it up. Because remember the mind, which is where the whole thing started with the definition, the mind uh, always works to preserve your ego because you're Ego is your false identity, and you and there's this sense that if if I give up this opinion, it's, it, it, it equates to dying. Hmm. I don't want to die, hmm. so I'm, I'm going to fight to hold the, to hold on to this belief that's based on a wrong definition. I'm going to hold on to it even if it's making my life miserable to believe what I believe.
1: Yeah, and mm-hmm. what you said earlier is a mind that creates a problem can't fix the problem. Right. And so how are we going to hear God if we're just stuck in our mind like that? Stuck in our beliefs, stuck in our definitions, stuck in our idea of what Mm -hmm. it was.
0: Mm -hmm. And it brings us to this this place of this obstacle, you know, that's holding us back. And, you know, we throw the word out there, flesh. Right. But it is me holding to my definitions. Mm. You see, it is me, you know, holding to... You know what has either been said, or I've experienced, or what I've allowed yep. to be my defining uh, principles, and so the the life of um, so putting to death the deeds of the flesh. You see, I I really want people to be able to see I'm alive to God. You see, and there's a life of the spirit. You see and I want to put my attention and and give my um yeah my attention in this place of following after the voice of the lord and 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 the leading of his spirit yeah. and it seems as though that then the deeds of the flesh or the flesh that that wants to it it tends to die away oh. and yeah. uh you know rather than giving it all of my attention. I give my attention to the, to the working of the Spirit in my life.
2: Yeah, most of overcoming the flesh is not us getting a spiritual hole and going and, you know, digging it up out of our garden, yes, so to
0: speak. Exactly.
2: I mean, now there are times when, you know, when we realize, well, wait a minute, that's not what the Bible says. Now that might be almost comparable to that, you know, taking a rake in a hole and going out there and going, I'm, you know, I, I'm changing this. Uh, but most of, most of the concepts of the flesh just die because of, because of neglect. We just mm-hmm. stop, we stop feeding them. We stop watering them by our thoughts and by, mm-hmm. you know, by our emotions and, and, and all that, uh, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm, um, today I'll be recording a message for Cyber Church. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a, a, a starting a new series and, um, since, we, since, since I canceled World Changer Weekend, I'm going to be teaching the series that I was going to teach okay, that weekend, good, good. and the, that series is called Above, Never Beneath, The Biblical Secrets to Always Winning.
1: Hmm, that sounds so <laughs> and, good. Uh,
2: you know, that sounds, to so, ma- so many people are so cynical, so disappointed, have lived such a defeated life, they hear a title like that, they're done. It's like I don't want to listen to this. This is gonna be a bunch of pie in the sky nonsense, da da. <clears throat> but we're going I'm gonna take you down this journey. But one of the things that we have to understand is uh, God has an opinion. We have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, if I'm going if I'm gonna, if if I if God is my spiritual GPS, so to speak. And if I'm going to follow God, I've got to trust what he's saying is the way to go, is the way it's going to work, is the way my life is going to come together. So God's got an opinion. I've got an opinion. Now, how did I get my current opinion? Well, that current opinion, was it was either taught to us, and because we accepted it, we implemented it, and because we implemented it, and that was our belief, then then it was fulfilled the way we were taught, and you know it's what we call a self fulfilling prophecy. Prophecy, right? You know, somebody somebody tells you you're stupid, and going to fail all of your life. Well, what do you do? You you believe that, then you go out and you live like you're stupid, and you do fail. And you say, "See, here's the proof. I'm stupid. I'm always going to mm-hmm. fail because here's the evidence. This is mm-hmm. this is what I've got right here." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and but God, that's like that's like God's view. That's not God's opinion. That's not that's. That's not the way God sees the situation. So then there's another way that we get our opinions, and that is, you know we can either start with information that we come to believe and then eventually it becomes self-evident to us as our experience. Or we can do just the opposite where as children we grow up in certain environments where things are happening repetitively. And so we accept that as our normal. And so anything that becomes normal to you establishes your world paradigm, establishes your self paradigm, and really even establishes your, your paradigm of God. How, how big is God in my life? And so now I am basing my interpretation of the Bible, my understanding of God, I'm basing everything on what I have experienced up until this point in life. And so basically I am saying God is no bigger than my life experience, which is Mm -hmm. basically the functional understanding of what sin is, because sin is any belief that diminishes who God is and therefore diminishes who we are. And Mm -hmm. then we are forced to live Within the boundaries of these definitions, concepts, and beliefs that that have become our normal,
0: Hmm.
1: said so well.
2: Well, I don't Whew. feel like I said it very well because that's man. That's that's one of those concepts you got to get. It's a lot. You just said a
1: lot. That was a lot to say, and I you feel know, that you communicated that. There was a that. book, and
2: it's of all people, it was sent out by Jerry Falwell. Uh-huh. Now Jerry Falwell. Uh, I, I didn't care much for Jerry Falwell on a lot of ways, but I tell you, I did come to value what he was good at. Sure. You, you know, back in the '70s, you know, Jerry Falwell was one of the, you know, one one of the biggest things happening in America as far as Christianity goes. And but he was always kind of legalistic and negative, and so, uh, you know, I just didn't pay much attention to him. So he he would come on late Sunday night, I think. So one Sunday night, I was like, I was up, I was bored, and you know, back in those days there were only three stations. You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> you know, we didn't have two hundred. We, were, stations we remember,
1: about. Jim. We're old too. Well,
2: um, <laughs> you know, because I, I I can remember when at at midnight, you know, when the that picture thing of came the on, yeah, and the, yeah. would come on to, and, and <laughs> yeah, that would you'd hear the national off. anthem and yeah, and that was you know, that was it for the day. Yeah,
0: yeah.
2: But anyhow, so one night I was like, man, I'm just bored to death. I'm not ready to go to sleep. And the Lord said, watch Jerry Falwell. I'm like, I don't want to watch Jerry Falwell. Right. I don't like Jerry Falwell. I don't agree with him theologically. You know, I don't want to watch him. God's like, and you know God's so interesting because he don't really argue with you. No. He doesn't really try to prove all the ways that he's right. He just goes, watch Jerry Falwell. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I'm like, you don't get it. I don't want to watch Jerry Falwell, you know. And, you know, at first I didn't recognize that it was God speaking. So finally I'm like, oh, hey, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. There's something that God wants me to get here, yeah. So I started watching Jerry Falwell every every Sunday night. Now I got to tell you, and most people don't know this, Jerry Falwell, for a period of time, made the church more influential in America than it had been at that time in over 150 years. Wow. I mean, he was the one that put uh, people into the presidential office. Uh, actually, he was the one that got Reagan elected. Huh. I mean, it was directly his influence that got Reagan elected. That, that, was, where, that was where politicians are saying, well, wait a minute. We, we need to get the church on our side. We need to start appealing to the church. But anyhow, mm-hmm. so Jerry Falwell offered, you know, if you'd send him a gift, he would send you this book called The Normal Christian Life by Watchman Nee. Now, mm-hmm. let me just say, don't go out, run out and start buying all of Watchman Nee's books. I think I read every book that Watchman Nee had 20-something books. And uh, he didn't write any of those books except the normal Christian life. All the rest of them were written by people who followed him. After he died, he had a cult-like following that started taking his sermons and rewriting them. And, and buddy, I'll tell you, they take you—they got good stuff in them, but they take you to some places where you will get stuck, and you cannot find your way out of how you're going to get stuck. But in the normal Christian life, he presents this concept of, okay, what do we call normal? Where do we get mm. our definition of normal? Mm. And he tells this story about how he, he was sick. And man, he was in bad, bad shape. And somebody came and was you know ministering to him and basically said, look, Bible says that by Jesus stripes, you're healed. And so he, he basically just said, well, oh, I didn't know that. And so if that's what normal is, I'll do it.
1: Mm. And so he gets healed.
2: Now I used to see this happen in my crusades in my crusades in the, the countries, you know, I did these jungle crusades. So if there were any Christians there, they were Catholic. Uh, but, so there was, there was always going to be a mixture of Catholic and people that went to the witch doctors and just, you know, just, and then just straight up pagans. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I discovered is, is the Catholics didn't know anything was in the Bible. And their, their whole approach to God was superstition. And so what I found was, if I could convince them that something was in the Bible, they would just go, oh, okay, then I'll do it. And, and it was that easy to get people healed. And you know, I I would just, I would just sh- show them the scripture and I just go, oh, di- didn't know that was in the Bible. Okay, I'll do it. And they would get healed, they'd get saved, they get baptized in the Holy Spirit. It was the right. easiest it was your ministry.
1: Normal. Yeah, it was normal. And so
2: once so watchman Nee brings out this concept. He says, if a person comes on the scene that ministers more like Jesus did, you know, as a man filled with the Holy Spirit, if anybody comes on the scene doing anything, winning the loss, then they are considered to be above average they're not average mm, or normal There, right there's something special about them and so basically what we have come up with as a definition of normal for christianity right. is actually pretty much what the bible would consider a backslidden christian
1: <laughs> wow
2: and so by defining normal once mm-hmm. we define something as normal once it fits into our life you know experience and and we come up with a definition then the problem is we can be really comfortable with a with a life that really is not very fruitful, not right. experiencing much of God. But we right. got a ticket punch to heaven. And right. so our sense of normal gives us a false peace, even though it alienates mm. us from all that Jesus did through his death, burial, and resurrection. So then we get this idea that if you really want the good stuff, now, man you you know. Now you got to make sacrifices. Now you got to give up your life. Now it's going to be hard. God's going to test you and put you through all this stuff. Now it's going to... And so the idea of getting above our definition of normal has a religious uh, ascetic, ascetic, ascetic you're right. concept. You're totally right. That's all about suffering and pain and sacrifice. Kind
1: of yeah, it's um, going to be about sacrifice. If you're going to want more than normal, you're going to have to sacrifice. So you might as well just settle. So and it's know, actually alienating us.
2: So next week, you know, we're doing what we always do. Yeah. We're giving foundations to somewhere that we want to go.
1: Right. So this next is, week. This
2: is not the full picture here. Right. This is just saying you probably need to consider the possibility. If you're listening to this and you're taking this serious, then, then I want you to consider hmm. what do I call normal? What hmm. have I accepted as normal?
1: Yeah. Mm, yeah. That's it, an important question. It is.
2: Yeah. Is it normal that I struggle
1: with yeah. the same sins
2: over and over again? Is it normal yeah. that I never get healed? Is it normal that I don't experience any aspect of salvation mm-hmm. other than how religion has defined it?
0: Yeah. Right. And you know what is what is my sense of normal, but then also, would that then possibly be the obstacle? You know yeah. that. It seems sure. to be holding you back. The opinion yep. is there, yeah, yeah. That, that opinion. Or as well, do you feel as though in your walk with God, you're ready for a break? <laughs> you know, you just want to yep. take a time out. You want to have a fun break, yep. and because it's just gotten a little too boring, yep. dull, a difficult, yep. and. If walk
1: walk with Jesus isn't fun, then I feel like we're really missing that. Like to me, Mm -hmm. normal is that walking with Jesus is fun and exciting. Yeah.
2: You know, I I got an email from someone and I know, I know that we need to stop for this, this segment, but I got an email from someone from a story that i told. I don't remember if it was with you guys. You know, like I said, I speak several times a week, you know, with different groups and different places. So sometimes I just, no, I think it was in ultimate impact. But, you know, I told this story about a guy that uh, he and I graduated from the same uh, college and we actually ministered together. And really for a long time, we were incredibly close and incredibly compatible. And so, you know, I was going out and winning the laws. And he knew he had way more experience than I did. He had better theological understanding of things than I did. But one of the differences was... Every I, everything I learn, I learn it because I think I need to put this in practice. Mm-hmm. This is how I, this is how I have an incredible life. Mm-hmm. So you know, man, I'm I, I'm out doing in, in the first charismatic church I ever went to. I'm doing what I did in the Baptist church. I'm filling it up with converts. Yeah. Well, so then you got these pastors there that I don't know if did, I don't know if any of them, I don't know if they ever read led anybody to the Lord, particularly outside of a altar call. So this concept, they started developing this concept about me that really what I had and the reason I was winning the loss and had this because really, <clears throat> I wasn't normal.
1: Mm, right. I was somehow right. unique. Right.
2: <clears throat> and uh, I, th- my friend at one point in time, he said, look, Jim, he says, you know, you're not like everybody else. He said, you know, the Bible, and, uh, you know, he somehow or another got this interpretation. He says, you know, the Bible says some are called and few are chosen. He said, Jim, you're one of the chosen ones. He said, your whole conversion, everything that's happened to you just is not what fits in. So, so I was kind of put in this above, I didn't want to be in that. I didn't want, I didn't see myself that way. No, no. But that was the only way he could understand his life.
1: It's the only way he could excuse his life.
2: Yeah. And so, but what happened over time, and I made a lot of mistakes. Listen, I, you know, sometimes when I talk about these conflicts I've had with, you know, religion, I, I'm not saying it was all anybody else's fault. I'm just saying, is it you know, as much me a lot of times it was them. And I did make some mistakes, but my, my mistakes were not about ego. My, my mistakes were really about not knowing how to communicate. Because when people would say stuff like that, I'm like, no. And I'd show them a scripture. Well, to them, that was me arguing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And so, and so eventually, and again, it was as much my fault as it was his, eventually this guy came to despise me
1: mm-hmm.
2: and mm-hmm. became one of my greatest enemies in the ministry and for years tried to destroy my credibility in the ministry. Wow. But it all started with him getting this idea that if you're actually doing kind of what Jesus did, you you're you're not average you're not normal you're you're you know you're doing something that the rest of us can't do so you can't make us feel like we could do these things yeah. because because now you're attacking us for not doing them so you know it's this I'm telling you I wish I'd been wiser. I wish I'd been raised in a more gentle way. There were too many times I was way too direct. There was mm-hmm. too many times I was crude, not yeah. in a nasty, vulgar way, but, you know, crude yeah. and just yeah. being being too redneck a or certain, something. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it might have come across as a little bit aggressive. You never know. Oh, you know it did. Oh,
2: absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah. imagine me at, you know, at 22 years old.
1: And there you go. And there you are.
2: Save for five minutes.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I love it. Well, I just want to thank you so much for this, Jim. I love where we went and I love where we're going next week Mm. and the possibility of what do I call normal and what do I accept as normal. And I think this is going to be an exciting journey next week as we start to go down this road. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage you as our listeners, that um you can you do you're along this journey because you are one who knows peace, loves peace, you know that when you have that environment of peace, that your quality of life is so harmonious with God that you're going to experience heaven and that's going to be your normal
0: right right yep. and to be able to establish or create a new normal yep. that's wonderful, but yep. then I the invitation is i get to deal with me yeah yep. okay so if i get, if if there's that's one right, thing Bob. i can deal with True i that. can deal with my flesh i can yep. deal with me mm. and so that's the invitation that yep. we all have and so anticipate you know the boundaries of your life being expanded yep. you know growing and uh, just allowing your heart to be transformed and to be made new
1: I love that, Bob. That's so good. Thank you so much, Jim. Thank you,
0: Jim. I loved it
1: as usual, as normal.
0: Always.
1: (laughs) My normal is that I always love this time. That's my normal. And it's just normal to be absolutely amazing together. And
0: one quick reminder the digital copies copies of Heaven on Earth, Eight Messages, plus a digital book of Heaven on Earth, uh, is available at the website, Live Transformed. And uh, it's a great place to start.
1: Yeah, love it. All right, Jim, we'll see you next time. Goodbye, listeners. We love you. Bye-bye.